well, happy Easter. It is, uh, today is a day truly of celebration, right? I mean, the music is, is alive. The colors are bright. Um, today we celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that he has conquered death, that uh, our sins are forgiven, that there is new life. And so we, we sing and we celebrate about victory and about hope and about joy and about new life. And uh, it's just one of those days that we just cannot praise God enough. We cannot celebrate enough. We cannot lift God's name up. And, and that's an awesome thing to do. It's exactly right for us to gather this morning and to sing and to celebrate and, and to just lift up God's name. But I want to tell you something and think about with, it, with you this morning. It's what I've been thinking about all week. And, and it's this. We don't always think about it. it. It wasn't that way for the disciples on the first Easter. You know, we come together and we say, he is risen, he is risen indeed. And we sort of imagine what it would have been like on that first Easter morning when Jesus was alive and, and Jesus had come out of the grave and you kind of think, oh man, those disciples, can you imagine what it would have been like? You know, high fives all over the place, awesome celebration, this thing is great, this is fantastic, uh, Jesus is alive. That's not what it was like for them. That, that's not what it was like for them. The fact of the matter is, that, that for them, that, that first Easter day, That first Easter day was a day of confusion and uncertainty, a day of struggle, and more than anything else, that was a day of fear. That first Easter day was a day of fear and concern and worry and struggle and uncertainty and all sorts of difficult things. And and I want to kind of just tell you about that, remind you of that. For many of you, this will be a reminder, but let's just actually kind of think about how it went on that first Easter day. And, and how it was, especially for those disciples. Here's what John tells us. I'm going to follow the Gospel of John, all right? John tells us that Mary Magdalene, one of the followers of Jesus, was the first one to get to the tomb. She went there early that Sunday. That, yeah, that Sunday morning, Jesus had died on that Friday. She went there on that Sunday. The day between was the Sabbath. That Saturday was the Sabbath, the Jewish holy day, so nobody would have gone to the tomb. Nobody would have really gone out much at all. And, and, and so Mary Magdalene goes on that first day. John doesn't tell us why. Probably she brought some spices to anoint the body and, and some ointments to, to do that um, since Jesus had been quickly laid in the tomb. She was probably looking to do that. But more than that, I think she was looking to say goodbye. Mary was looking to say goodbye to the one who had given her hope. Goodbye to the one who had given her dreams. Goodbye to the one who had changed her life. He was dead and gone now. As she rises over a hill and looks down where the tomb is, and it would have been a, a really a cave that you could walk into with a, a huge stone in front of it. As Mary looks, the stone is rolled away. And again, she doesn't respond with, awesome, he's alive, just like he said. No, she runs. <laughs> she just leaves. She takes off. She sees this, and, and, and she goes back, all right? The stone is rolled away. And so Mary goes, and she runs back to Jerusalem trying to find some of the disciples, she finds Peter and John, okay? She finds Peter and John, and, and, and they run to the tomb. John gets there first, and Peter is waiting um, outside, or no, yeah, and, and, and is waiting outside. Peter runs in. John looks, and, and he sees that there's some cloths there. He looks into it. He sees that the clothes that Jesus had been laid in are, are laying there. He's not there. There's a cloth that was wrapped around his head that's folded, John tells us. John just kind of looks in. Peter runs in, and then John follows him. They look around. That's all they see. They know there's an empty tomb now. The body is gone. And so they head back to Jerusalem, all right? They see that the tomb is empty. Mary, meanwhile, has come back, okay? So Peter and John ran there. They see it's empty. They leave. Mary goes back to the tomb, okay? She sticks her head in this time. She peeks in, and she sees two angels. She's got two angels there in the the linen cloths. And the angels ask her, why are you crying? 
Mary's weeping. She's crying. Why are you crying? And she says, because they've taken the body of my Lord. She hears something behind her and, and turns, and there's a guy there. She figures it's the caretaker, the gardener for the cemetery, right? And, 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 and so she turns, and, and he says, why are you crying? And she says, because they've taken the body. Did you move him? Did you put him in a different place? Can you tell? Again, she just wants to say goodbye. Can you tell me where he is? And, and, and as you might know, that was actually Jesus. And Jesus says her name, Mary. Mary, he says her name, and she realizes it's him. And, 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 and she falls down, and she starts to just hold on to his feet and worship him. And now she's weeping with joy. And he says, Mary, get up and go tell the disciples, all right? Go tell the disciples that I'm here. So she's G- she, she, she sees Jesus and goes to tell the disciples. So Mary, is, 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 she gets it, okay? She, she knows that he is alive. She goes back and she tells the disciples, and this is what I really think is fascinating. Because what do the disciples do? What do the disciples do? Mary comes, they've seen an empty tomb. Mary comes and she says to him, I've seen the Lord, he is risen from the dead. And so the disciples celebrated, they started to just sing, Christ the Lord is risen today. And they started to just celebrate and say how fantastic this was. Wrong. That's not what they did. That they didn't start to celebrate. Well, well, at least they went and checked it out, right? I mean, they went and they ran back to the tomb. I mean, Peter and John hadn't seen an angel. And if Mary, right? I mean, if you knew Jesus was risen from the dead or if somebody reported it, you'd at least go out, right? You'd at least have enough faith to go out and check it out. Nope. Didn't do that either. Well, maybe they tried to find other followers, right? Maybe they went there and they tried to find some other followers to say, did you hear anything? We're hearing this, we're hearing that. They didn't do that either. On that first Easter day, when Mary came to the disciples and says, He is risen from the dead, they didn't say, He is risen indeed. (laughs) They locked themselves in a room. As far as we can tell, that's all they did that day. They went into a room and they locked themselves. Look at what John says, John 20, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked. Now, this was unusual. It wasn't common in that culture to lock your doors. You generally wanted to have airflow. They, they didn't have good air conditioning systems, and so, you know, they, they just wanted air to flow through. They kept their windows open. They kept their doors open, but not these guys. These guys had bolted the door, probably had a chair up against it. They closed all the windows, and here they are on Easter Sunday at the end of the day. Again, now that this is at the end of the day. This, this is after they've heard all this news. At the end of the day, and they're there, and the doors are locked, and the reason the doors are locked is because they're afraid. They are afraid more than anything else that was their emotion on easter sunday you didn't think you'd get that this morning did you so go be afraid no that's not but i mean right that's that's the the way it was and and so i want to just take a second and ask well what were the disciples afraid of why were they afraid and i want to say i don't think it was because they were really wimpy it was not because they were just a bunch of scaredy cats who, who, who just always got scared of everything no these guys were not they, they had good reason to be afraid understand that they had good reason to be afraid there are a couple of reasons i want to suggest why 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 the disciples locked themselves in that room why they were afraid the the first one the main one is this they were afraid of being rounded up and and put on trial or being beaten right what they were afraid of is what is what had happened to jesus um john says this He, he says in the rest of that verse with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Now, I want to be really clear about this. John is not anti-Semitic here. John is not anti-Jew. John was a Jew. Jesus was a Jew. But what John is saying is they were afraid because some of those Jewish leaders had obviously decided, given the last 72 hours, 
But some of those Jewish leaders had obviously decided it was time to be done with Jesus. It was time to be done with this movement. It was time for it to be over, and they took the gloves off, right? If you're part of a movement, and, and this happens to the one who's your leader, you are scared. Jesus, the, the disciples, they know how it works, right? It works the same day in this day as it does in our day. How does it work? If you want to stop a movement, you cut off the head, you get rid of Jesus, you cut off the head, and then what do you do? You find the main leaders. And if you can take them out one by one or all together in a group, you can stop this whole movement. And so the disciples had every reason to think, we're next. We are next. What they did to Jesus is what they are going to do to us. And for them, an empty tomb wasn't necessarily good news. Again, you can figure out why. (laughs) Because it could well have been just a ploy by the religious leaders or by the Roman soldiers and so on to, to have a reason to have a reason to attack the disciples, to have a reason to to confront them. They stole the body. They're grave robbers. They're trying to, they're liars. And so the disciples are going, this is, this is not good. This is not good. This is not the way it's supposed to be. And so they're up in this room and they are scared to death. And in a sense, I would suggest even if Jesus is alive, they're still scared. You know, they knew Jesus was willing to confront the leaders, right? They knew Jesus was willing to kind of tweak some of the religious leaders, But they didn't sign up to die. I mean, they said they'd be willing to die for Jesus, but that's not really what they anticipated. That's not really what they were looking for. And now all of a sudden, the whole thing just got ratcheted way up. I mean, they kicked it up several notches with this. And the disciples are like, what's going to, man, are we, and and, and they're they're just there, and they're scared to death for fear of the Jews, of fear of being rounded up and beaten and so on. The other reason, they, they spent most of Easter Day afraid, I think, and we pick this up later on in John, but, but they were probably a little bit afraid of seeing Jesus. Right? I mean, they had failed him in the previous 72 hours. They'd failed him in the previous three years, but in the previous 72 hours, they had failed him seriously. They had said that they would die for him. They had said that they would do anything for him. One of them had betrayed him. They'd all deserted him. One of them denied even knowing him. Swore on it three times. After you've done that to this guy, if he is alive, do you really want to see him? Do do you really want to face him after you've made those mistakes, after you've blown it, after you've just had that kind of... I mean, what if he does come? What do we say to him? What do we do? He's done with us. We had our chance. We had the one, if he rose from the dead, we had our chance. But now here we are. We blew it. It's over for us. And if he does come, if he does come, we're in trouble. So that's where they were. On the evening of that first day of the week, John says, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, they're gathered there in that room. There would have been probably 10 of them, right? Uh, Judas was gone. And Matthew, for some reason, wasn't there. So there are ten disciples gathered in this room, and they're all kind of looking at each other, saying, what do we do? The doors are locked, the windows are locked, and all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. Jesus came and stood among them. And and just try to imagine that moment, all right? They're there, they got the doors locked, they're scared to death, and all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. And they can't talk. He's there in the flesh. They can see the wounds. They can see the the wound in his side. They see all of that. And they just wonder, again, what's he going to say? What's he going to say to them? Way to go, guys. 
I told you, and you didn't listen. What's he going to say to them? What are his words going to be? They don't speak, but Jesus does. And I love what he says. He says, peace. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Jesus says, it's okay. I'm okay. It's all right, friends. I love you. It's okay. And and again, we so often think of the first word of Easter being joy and and hope, but I think the first word of Easter is peace. The first word of Easter is, is, friends, it's okay. In this broken world, in this scary world, it's okay because I'm all right. Jesus says, peace be with you. In some ways, it was a simple greeting. In Hebrew, what Jesus would have said was, shalom aleichem. Shalom aleichem. If you go to Israel, uh, this is how you would greet somebody. And, and, and so on, shalom aleichem. Peace be to you. But from Jesus, that word shalom means so much. Then Jesus showed them his hands and his wounds. And then they had joy. Verse 20. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Peace first, then joy. The peace of knowing that Jesus is okay. The peace of knowing that I'm okay. The peace of knowing that Jesus loves me. First of all, knowing that. And then we respond with joy. First peace, then joy. And Jesus wants to make sure we get it again. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. If you haven't been with us the last six weeks, that's fine. That's no problem. But if you have been, you know that what we've been doing here at Hillside for the last six weeks is looking at the last words of Jesus. There are seven words that Jesus spoke from the cross. And and we spent six weeks and then last Thursday evening looking at those seven words, hearing what Jesus said were the last words before he died, the last words until he rose again. We said those are powerful words. Well, this morning we're going to start a little three-part series where we're looking at the first words of Jesus. What does he say when he rises from the dead? What word does he have for you? What word does he have for me? Now, we're not going to look at all of them. Actually, the first word we said was, was Mary. We're not going to look at that one. But, but to the disciples, what are the first words Jesus speaks to his followers? We've got this one, and then Daniel's going to be having the next two weeks. And we're going to look at what Jesus says to us, what he says to us in all of his power, what he says to us in all of his glory. This morning, we start with the one that I think is, is just so essential. And it's a word that you and I need to hear. It was the word the disciples needed to hear. Shalom. Peace be with you, my friends. Peace be with you. And I want you to hear Jesus saying that to you this morning. In the midst of a world where loved ones die. In the midst of a world where people get cancer. In the midst of a world where we blow it over and over again. This morning, the risen Lord Jesus comes to you and says, Peace. Peace be with you. Shalom, friends. It's okay. It's all right. I am alive. And and I think it's important for us to understand that the first word Jesus gives is not a commandment. You'll notice, uh, you maybe noticed it when I I didn't do anything with it, but but Jesus says, peace with you, now I'm going to send you. Jesus does give us commands, and again, that's what Daniel will do in the next two weeks. But the first word is always grace. The first word is always peace. The first thing Jesus says to us is, I love you. And, and, he, and he comes to us in that way first and then invites us to respond to his coming to us. And, and so we start with this word, peace be with you. Peace be with you. And what I want to do with the time we have left is, is I want to just think about three things that this means, three aspects of the peace that Jesus brings us because he himself said it's not like the peace you get from the world. So three things we need to know about Easter peace this morning. The first thing is this. The peace Jesus brings us is the peace of knowing we are perfectly loved, not the peace of knowing we are perfect. 
All right? The peace Jesus brings us is the peace of knowing we are perfectly loved. And this is so essential. The fact of the matter is, if you think about it, there is a peace that comes from being right. If you're right, you can have peace. Imagine a situation. It's two weeks from tomorrow is tax day, right? April 15. So I was thinking about that this week. I want you to imagine that you've got your taxes done, you've sent everything in, and then the middle of the summer, July 15, you go to the mailbox and there is a letter from the IRS saying, we believe we found a discrepancy and we are going to audit you. We need to see everything from the last seven years. Everything for the last seven years. For most of us, we get that letter. How do we respond? Oh boy, right? We've got sweaty armpits. We've got sweaty palms. It's like, how in the world? I don't have everything from the last, but imagine something once, okay? Imagine that you had everything. Imagine that you are one of those people, and there are probably some of you here, who have every year itemized and by date, and you know every penny you received as income and every penny you spent and every deduction and everything. You've got it all laid out in triplicate, alphabetized and itemized and computerized and everything, and you know you've got it all. First of all, I hate you, but that's another matter. No, right? Imagine if that's your case. If you say, "I've, I've got it all. I kept perfect records. You get that letter, and what do you do? Nothing. You shrug. Say, have at it. Look, I know I'm right. I know I've got it. I know I've kept track of absolutely everything. If you are perfect, you can have peace. If you are perfect, you can have peace. Right? It's at work. You know, if, if, if somebody accuses you of something at work, and you say, I know I didn't do it, and I can prove I didn't do it, you say, I'm not going to get worried about the accusation. I was in another state. I was in another country. I, I, I mean, there's just, if, you're, if you have a clean conscience, now I know the system isn't perfect and you can worry about that. But for the most part, right, if, you, if you're right, you have peace. One of the ways to get peace is to always be right. <laughs> yeah, tell me how that goes with you. Because deep down we know we're all wrong. Deep down we know we don't have seven words of records perfect. And the fact is, the Bible says there is an audit coming. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever thought about it that way, but you think a letter, an tax audit letter from the IRS is scary? The fact is, the Bible says at the end of all time, when Jesus comes back, there will be an audit. And, and not just of the last seven years, but of your entire life. And not just of your money, which would probably be enough to damage all of us, but of every, every word you've ever said, everything you've ever done, Every thought you've ever thunk, thought, whatever it is. It's all going to come out. In the bright light of God's holiness, absolutely everything you've ever done, absolutely everything you've ever said, absolutely everything you've ever thought is going to come out, and you are going to have to own it. You are going to have to absolutely own it. And my friends, you do not have peace if you are honest. There are none of us. You may be able to convince me that you did this right, but the fact is all of us know deep down inside of us that we cannot handle that audit. All of us know deep down inside of us that we are wrong, just like those disciples, right? Just like those disciples as they locked themselves in the room. Part of the reason they were so afraid is they knew they had blown it. They knew that Jesus, that they had failed him, and Jesus had every right to just send them on their way. And so they're scared. And they're worried. And Jesus says, peace. Peace be with you. And part of what he's saying with that is, I forgive you. You are perfectly loved. 
Friends, I want to just tell you this. This is at the core of the gospel. You will never have peace in this world from thinking you're good enough. You will never be able to give enough and serve enough and do enough and be right enough. You may be better than your neighbor. You may be better than a whole lot of other people, but you will never be good enough for God. And you will never, ever, 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 ever have peace if it depends on being in the right. Jesus says, guys, it's not about being right. It's about being perfectly loved. It's about being perfectly loved. And as we surrender ourselves to Jesus, we experience what it is to be perfectly loved. In another place, John says, perfect love casts out fear. Peace to you. Peace to you. And so Jesus says that to you this morning. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what you're trying to prove to somebody that you're good enough about. I don't know what you're worried about in your past. But I'll tell you, as you look at, if you look at your own auditing techniques, you are dead. You are in trouble. But Jesus says to us, peace this morning. He says to me, Ron, have peace. Not because you're so good. Because my love is perfect. So that's the first one. The peace Jesus brings us as he rises from the dead to those disciples, the peace he brings is not the peace of, uh, of knowing they were perfect. It's the peace of being perfectly loved. Second kind of thing we need to know about, the second thing we need to know about the peace Jesus brings us is this. The peace Jesus brings us is the peace of knowing that we are perfectly safe in the storms, not the peace of having no storms. We've talked about this a number of times here, but we need to keep reminding ourselves. I wish it was the peace of having no storms. I wish that Jesus had come to those disciples and said, peace out, dudes, because all the problems are gone. Have peace, dude. Peace be with you all, because guess what? All sin is gone. All death is gone. All cancer is gone. I've taken care of all of it. It's all over. You know, peace be with you, because you never have to worry. All your investments are going to multiply. All your children will always be healthy. They will always do the right thing. You will not be touched by divorce or, or, or difficulties or pain or death or any of that stuff. Cancer will never enter any of your homes. If I knew that, if I knew that, I could have peace. But that's not the peace Jesus brings. That's not the kind of peace that Jesus brings us. The, chief, the peace Jesus brings us is not having no storms. The peace Jesus brings us is of being safe in the storm. The fact is, Jesus in John 16, and he spoke these words on Thursday night, okay? This is Sunday, after, Sunday evening now, so it's Thursday to Sunday later. Jesus said to his disciples in those final words that he had for them before he went to the cross, he says, in this world you will have trouble. Know that, okay? Understand that in this world you will have trouble. Jesus wants us to know it's a broken place and he's not taking us out of it. And at this point he hasn't chosen to stop the storms. It's not a peace from having no storms. But this is really fascinating, fascinating what Jesus said around these words. He says, in this world you will have trouble. And he says, I want to tell you this so you can have peace. Look at this. He says, I have told you these things that you're going to have struggles. He's been describing the difficulties they're going to have. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Oh, most of us don't kind of say, oh, if somebody tells me, oh, Ron, um, you're going to have a lot of problems in your life, and I tell you that so you can have peace. Uh, No, excuse me. If you want me to have peace, tell me I'm not going to have problems. But Jesus says, you're going to have problems. I tell you this so you can have peace. He wants us to not be shocked. He wants us to not be surprised. He says, take heart, have peace, because I have overcome the world. And that's where peace comes from, friends. That's what Jesus says to his disciples. He doesn't say to them, from here on out, guys, it's going to be easy. What Jesus says to them is that I will hold on to you. He says, I'm alive, and I have gone to hell, and I have paid the price, and I have gone through it all. 
and so you don't have to. And nobody and nothing can take you out of my hands. There's a picture, whenever I think about this, there's a picture that I'm, I'm sure some of you have seen, maybe, maybe many of you have seen. But, it, but it's this picture of this, of this guy in this lighthouse, right? Taken by a French photographer, I can't think of his name right now. But, but I mean, this wave, look at how tall the guy is, right? And then we can, we can zoom in on him a little bit, all right? This guy, is, this wave is 30, 40 feet tall, whatever it is. And it's crashing against this lighthouse. And I love what the guy's doing. He's got his hand in his pocket. He's got his hand in his pocket. Because he knows, not that the storm is not going to strike. He knows not that the, the winds aren't going to come. What he knows is that he's safe. What he knows is that he's taken care of. What he knows is that he might get wet and he might get battered a little bit, but he is not going to get taken out of this lighthouse. He is not going to get taken away. And so he has this amazing sense of peace of being able to say, it's all right. It's all right. When Jesus says to us, peace be with you. When Jesus says those words to us, he's not saying, I'm going to take away all the storms. What he's saying is, is nothing can take you away from my hands. I remember talking with somebody a number of years ago who was dealing with cancer. And bit by bit, the person was losing body parts, having some amputations done. The mental faculties were uh, starting to go. The mental facilities were starting to go. But I remember about two weeks before she died, she said, you know, cancer can touch a lot, but it can't take me. It can take my brain. It can take my arms. It can take my feet. It can take my legs. But it can't take me. That's peace. That's peace. That's what Jesus promises us. That's what Jesus brings us. As Jesus says, look, I've been to hell. I've been to death. I've been through it all. And you can know this. I can take care of you. I am here for you. So peace, guys. Peace. You're perfectly loved. Peace. Because you're perfectly safe. And then one more. Peace. Because we know the future is in God's hands. The peace Jesus brings us is the peace of knowing the future is in God's hands, not the peace of knowing the future. Uh, Again, there comes a peace from knowing the future. If you knew what was going to happen, even if it were bad, Again, think of people who are facing diseases. Think of people who are facing diseases or or people who have lost children or whatever, had them kidnapped. One of the things that you hear over and over again is, I wish I could know. I wish I could know. Even if it were bad news, if I knew it would be better, and the fact is it often is. Even when it's bad news, when somebody gets the diagnosis, okay, at least I know what it is. At least I know uh, what I'm up against. At least I know, you know, what I'm facing. At least I know where my child's body was. At least I know. It doesn't always make it easy, but it's always better to know, right? And and there can be a peace. If you know, if you know what's going to happen, you can have that sense of peace. But That's not what the disciples get. Jesus doesn't come to them and say, peace be with you because here's the plan. Peace be with you because this is exactly how it's going to be working out. No, Jesus says, peace be with you because I'm in charge. Peace be with you because the future is in my hands. Peace be with you because I'll take care of you. And the disciples, if you read through the gospel, or the book of Acts rather, if you read through the rest of the New Testament, they get it wrong over and over and over again. They think that Jesus is going to do this, but he does that. They think he's going to do this, but he does that. They don't know what he's going to do. I think about it with preachers these days. You watch some of those Channel 54 things. They love to have charts, right? Because if we know then we can have peace. They don't know. Jesus didn't know. It's not knowing the future. 
It's knowing who holds the future. It's not knowing exactly how it's going to go. I don't know. If you were here, you saw I'm going to go to fly to Amman, Jordan tomorrow and then spend 12 days in Israel and Egypt. Those of you who want to take an offering for Hamas, don't. Um, anyway, no. It's not dangerous, really, I don't think. But something could happen. I don't know. But my, my, my concern is, and my peace comes not from knowing that nothing's going to happen. It could. It could happen to any of you back here, too. My peace is not in knowing what's going to happen. My peace is knowing that whatever happens is in the hands of Jesus. My peace is knowing that whatever happens is in the hands of Jesus. And that'll be okay. Because nothing can take me out of his hands. And Jesus says, peace be with you. He's not saying, this is exactly how it's going to go. What he's saying is, I'll never let you go. You can know that I will be there, and one day all things will be made new. And so that's the peace Jesus talks about. It's, it's the peace of being perfectly loved and forgiven. It's the peace of being perfectly safe, even though we might get battered and bruised. It's the peace of knowing that the future is in God's hands. And, and so this morning, as you celebrate today, let peace be the first word. In a world full of fears and worries, and friends, we do live in a world, you're, you're, you're foolish if you don't have fear. You're foolish if you don't have a level of worry because all kinds of crazy things happen. But in that world, Jesus says to each and every one of us, peace be with you. Shalom Aleichem. And that is my prayer for you, that you will have peace, the peace of knowing that it's okay because Jesus has won the victory. Let's pray together. Father, this world does not have a lot of peace. We spend a lot of time trying to find it. We try to make sure our portfolios are set. We try to make sure that uh, we're not going to get sick, and we try to make sure our kids aren't going to get hurt, and we try to do all sorts of things. But, Father, we can't find any peace from what we do. Help us to see Jesus this morning once again, the risen Lord who comes to us with words of grace and love. Peace be with us. So, Father, may we. May we know that Jesus is for us and with us and will take care of us. And may we sing with joy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and and respond to God's good news with singing the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Them all creatures here below. Praise Him above the host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy.
again after our service there will be some folks in the prayer room if you'd like to talk with somebody or, or pray with them but uh, yeah they'd be happy to meet with you uh, after the service is done here people of God may you go and know that the peace of our risen Lord Jesus Christ will be with us in the midst of a broken world go in his peace amen